The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. The Flailing Tender Hockey Podcast. An old goalie's views on the week that was in the world of hockey. From junior right up to the NHL and everything in between. There may have been a few too many frozen pucks to the head, but that won't stop this old tender from giving his two cents worth on all things hockey. Welcome to the Flailing Tender Hockey Podcast. It's February 20th, 2023. Today's show is brought to you by Barnburner Hockey and barnburnerhockey.ca. Use promo code 1420BARN for 10% off and free shipping of their all-natural hockey products and apparel. Today, I'm joined by a flailing tender himself, singer-songwriter. They've got a great new song that came out, I think it was last week. It's on heavy rotation here in the 1420 Podcast World Headquarters. Uh, Cody Hall. Cody, thanks for joining us here at uh, World Headquarters. How's things today? They're they're really good. Thanks for having me up. Not awesome. a problem. Note that, uh, yeah, we played that song on Friday, I think it was, when you first sent it to me, and uh the wife she was listening to and she liked you instantly. So we've been playing it pretty much nonstop. It's one of those things that uh, once it gets going, it gets in your head. It's a great tune. Uh, what made you come up with that with that song? Like how'd that all come about? Oh boy, it's uh, like any other song. Kind of started with uh, with a catchphrase or a hook, and then just kind of wrote itself. It's it was I don't know. I think the thing that the people like about it is it's relatable. It's kind of a love song that everybody's probably had an image like that in their head already. So. I don't know. I just have a, a kind of creative mind when it comes to writing things down. And yeah, for the most part, most, most songs come out relatively quickly. I just go sit in the garage after school usually, and or not after school, after dinner and stuff, put the kids to bed, Yeah, go sit for an hour and songs kind of pop out genuinely here and there. And every once in a while you catch a, catch a good one. So make sure you get those ones recorded. Yeah. I got a question for you later on about that. How some things might go sideways the other way around. And uh, you, know, you might think it's really good, but everybody else like, yeah, this isn't really what we hoped. Um, go back 30, 35 years, uh, growing up in Stavely, Alberta. How the heck did your, did your parents just dislike you or how do you end up playing, playing goal? Cause I, I look back now and I think that's kind of a, a somewhat of a form of child abuse. How did you end up being a goaltender way back when in Stavely, Alberta? You know, it's it's funny, and I'm I'm super prepared for this question because I just <laughs> taught I taught this lesson to my boys the other day. They were scrapping downstairs, playing some mini sticks, and uh, I became a goalie because my brother had a really hard slap shot. <laughs> that was our that was our spare time. We grew up on a farm, and and every every minute of spare time that we had, if we weren't working, uh, we were excused if we were playing street hockey out in the garage. So. We made the most of our time. Uh, learned how to not fight with each other and get get put to work and doing chores. So we became very good at practicing yeah. and uh, and getting along. And it was it was kind of uh, an accidental an accidental thing where I got good at being a goalie because he was a, a really good shooter. And we were two years apart, so we never got to play against or or with each other. Um, until Mustangs actually. And it, it's, yeah. it's kind of funny that it took that long, but yeah, I, I think I became a goalie cause I liked the competition of, of trying to stop him. And, uh, yeah, once I caught the bug, then it became a, a game of trying to climb that ladder and see how far I can make it. And just like every other Canadian kid, I thought I was going to make the NHL one day or, or some <laughs> high level of hockey. Right. So, yeah. 
It's uh, yeah, playing goal because I, I played forward up until I think my first year of Pee Wee, and I like I said, like you said, you get the bug in, and all you put that, that all that fancy equipment on and everything else. Well, hey, this is kind of neat. And this is fun. You realize pretty quickly later on how much fun it isn't at times, but uh, no, it's yeah, you get that bug, and most goalies will answer the same way how you. Oh yeah, this is this is what I want to do, and it, t- it takes a special breed to uh, to strap the the gear on on, on a nightly basis because there's there's nights where it don't go so well for you, and, and you have to have a pretty uh, uh, heavy shoulders, and your your parents have to have a pretty heavy heart. That is uh, that is a hundred percent true. It's it's a lesson I'm learning myself with with just life in general, with having three kids of my own that are growing up quicker than I want them to, and and having to deal with some some challenging situations, whether it's at, at school or at home or with their hockey or soccer or dance or swimming or whatever it is. Right. And the lesson of perseverance and how to, how to move on to the next thing. And, and it's, it's kind of neat being a goalie has, uh, has changed me for a lot of cool ways too, and good ways that I've transferred into like teaching at, at middle school and uh, I teach phys ed. So, um, I remember just the other day talking about perseverance and, and the importance of a goalie being able to move on from every mistake. Otherwise, you lose the trust of your team, right? If you, you let in a goal and don't believe in yourself, the next 10 shots are going to go in the net, but you, you have to move on right away. And uh, that's, a, that's a pretty pretty cool lesson to be able to teach, having went through it. And um, I just wish I would have would have been able to understand it when I was 11, 12, 13, and when you need to know it, right? Yeah, that's the thing. That you, you, I talk to a lot of people on this show and other things I, I do around the sports world, and uh, the the more knowledge that's out there for, for kids nowadays compared to when you and I were younger, and the more brain uh the more psycho- psychological stuff that's out there for kids nowadays it's it's crazy where you, we would beat ourselves up so badly over a bad goal and it was like you it's hard to put it behind you but like in baseball your next pitch is the most important in hockey your next save is the most important because you can't do anything about the past and we we weren't really taught that there was a uh i wouldn't say like you would get you get a, a stern finger wagging more often than not if a bad one went in and it wasn't there wasn't a lot of uh positive uh positive vibes coming your way back back 30 40 years ago yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's cool that that people are talking about it now, and it's it's neat that there's some progress. But I think it's even still to a point like not not addressed enough, right? And you look at goalie coaching, and like there's still that kind of sideways look if there's a bad goal. But if the goalie were to say to their coach, like, okay, so what do I do differently? There's not a there's not a lot of coaches that that can give an answer, right? Yeah. Other than well. You went down too early. Well, maybe, but it was, it was depth and angle and timing and eye tracking. And like, I watch a lot of, a lot of little guys hockey um, with my kids being in it. And I see that one of the biggest things that if I could just say anything to goalie coaches that are trying to help guys early on is just focus on skating and like edge work and hip movement and um, developing that, that kind of consistent movement that a goalie is going to use so hey it, it minimizes the injury later on um, from improper butterflies and dropping and stuff like that that's there, there's so much being studied right now about what could be changed for the position and and yeah i think i think there needs to be more focus on it because it's it is it's challenging physically but also like really really mentally for for kids 
the one thing I notice that's different, obviously everything's different, the, the equipment's lighter and the, the like, but the one thing I notice is that every goalie is the same. They're the exact same thing. Now, they don't teach you to have a style. They don't teach you how to do this. And I think goalies are at a disadvantage a little bit now because every player knows that that goalie's going down here. He's doing this here. He's sliding across the net there. And they're all the same. They're all cookie cutter because the Michigan goal wouldn't happen ever back 30 years ago when I was playing because goalies hugged the post, stood there, and they got the puck would have hit him in the shoulder. Now they know that guy's going down every time, and so they're going up. Like, I mean, I got beat yeah. upstairs my, my fair share of time, but it seems to me that goalies don't have their own style. And every every goalie school, and you watch NHL guys right down to junior and then down into minor hockey, all goalies, they basically look the same. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of funny that you say that because, like, the ones that they talk about that shouldn't be there, uh, the Saroses of the world or Mark Andre Fleury is is they're not cookie cutter, right? Like they yeah. do everything that they can, and they they're kind of the the last of a, a dying breed, maybe not not quite dying. I think that well, that's a, that's a pretty the, fair fair statement. I think, yeah. <laughs> but I I think there will always be room for the athletic goalie that just surprises everybody and comes out of nowhere and. You know, gets drafted on on his work ethic and his his guts, right? And and right back to that that perseverance, the guy that'll never stop. You go uh, look at your hockey DB uh, page there, and you uh, you had one game uh, with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. You, you dressed for one game. Uh, how did that come about? So that's a funny stat because DB. I'm I'm not sure where the one comes from. I guess that would be the one that I got. A minute of action. So this is this is going to be a long-winded story. I That's hope fine. you got time for it. I was actually fortunate in uh, in my year of first year of midget AAA. Um, the McNaughtons decided they were going to list me, or not McNaughtons. Sorry, that was my coach in midget. Mm-hmm. The Maxwells, Brian, and uh, his his younger brother was the uh, Randy. Is it Randy. Randy. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I can't remember. Can't believe I forgot his name for a second. Randy was the assistant GM at the time, uh, and they listed me um, and kind of developed this cool relationship. They uh, they kind of knew me as as a work hard kind of guy, like work ethic, and that was their MO, was hard nose. Uh, so they kept giving me little chances uh, when I was here in town with uh, in Lethbridge with the Midget AAAs, and I got to dress for like 16 games. Um and and be on the bench and and listen to the the chirping from from guys that I looked up to and and thought were out of my league. And frankly, they were, they were WHL and I was mid at AAA. And um, so it kind of lasted for two years. And and in the the one year, I got to go on a road trip out to Kootenai with them. And we were getting blown out. I think it was seven or maybe nine, nothing. And, uh, Kootenai's goalie was was BJ Boxma. Yeah, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, he went on to play Team Canada, I think, juniors, and like he was quite the goalie. And Lasbridge had Blake Ward, uh, and I think he went on to to go to U of L, Pronghorns and stuff like that. But anyways, we're get, we're getting blown up. Shout out with uh, fifty seconds left or something like that when I finally got to go in. But there's a stoppage in play. I don't know, three minutes left and, and Ward will come over to the bench and he's like, Hey, get your stuff on. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, get your stuff on. So I 
kind of sat back down, but pulled all my stuff closer to me. I'm like, there's no way I'm going in. Like, I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. And out of nowhere, him and Boxma skated to center ice and fought. And <laughs> I looked at Maxwell. He's like, well, I guess you're going in. I guess you're going in now. <laughs> so, yeah, Wardo, he kind of like smiles as I go in and, there's a neutral zone face-off with their whatever with 50 seconds left. So they're D, they win the face-off and their D-man like dumps one in that I'm sure was going to go wide of the net. But I <laughs> went out and made a point of making a butterfly save on it and getting back up and dishing to my D-man. I think I took credit for a save. I'm not sure if it shows up on DB or not. But yeah, I got to play. Got to play 58 seconds, but had a lot of moments. That's, do you have any memories of playing with those Hurricane guys, some guys in that team that might that went on to to because uh, they've had guys over the years, obviously that go, go on national hockey league careers. Is there anybody that stands out in your in your yeah. in your, your season there? Yeah, so uh, Brett Seabrook was a, a rookie the year that I was there, so he and I loaded the bus every time I went on a road trip with him and got shoe checked together and and like. I, I highly doubt that he remembers me because he was a he was an amazing player even as a rookie. Yeah, he was he was on to bigger and better things right from day one. I remember watching those yeah. hurricane teams back then. Yeah, he was doing good things, but uh, like Barrett Jackman was was at the tail end of I think a hundred point season or something the year before. He was really good. Jeremy Jackson had just got traded there and was like lightning fast and good hands. Um. And Scott Borders, I remember Scott Borders broke. I my played top. with his older brother in Bonneville, actually. Yeah, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, my, so I, I know Scott a little bit. Yeah, my first, he was good, and he had a cannon of a shot. My first practice, he broke my can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> came over the blue line and took a slap shot, and I was just like, "Oh boy, I'm here with some some big boys now." So that was a, a rude awakening, but yeah, everything from. From broken cans, I remember. Remember the old uh, smokers pit at the at the uh, Max Center where they kind of like had to go out of the rink, but you could see down the ramp. Yeah, they've they've since boxed it in, but that ramp still used to be there. And I think we had just played a game, midget triplets. We had lost to the Buffaloes. Calgary Buffaloes beat us two one. I remember this like it was yesterday, and they. Uh, they outplayed us when they were they were like such a good team, but they beat us two one at Henderson and our coach came in, kinda of had the scowl on his face. He's like, Get your stuff and get out of here. He looked right at me, said that, and I was like, What? Two one's not that bad. Like I I kinda Yeah, we could have scored more, stunned. man. <laughs> yeah, I was kinda of stunned and uh so I walk into the hallway and like I'm carrying my bag and our trainer Rich Gray. He's like, hey, I need your keys. I'll bring your truck. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I got to take you over the Canes game. Coop's sick, and you got to you got to be on the bench. So I get to the NMAX like midway through the first period, and I didn't even have skate guards. I had like socks on the bottom of my skates, and I'm walking down that ramp like that concrete ramp, and it's yeah. just crunching. And there's there's these old regular seeing ticket holders having a smoke outside, just chirping me. You're late. You're late. About time you get here. And, I'm walking in in my my LA jersey down the ramp to to go sit on the bench and watch a game. But I think we pulled that one out. I think the the Canes won that one. I don't even remember who the game was against. I was so rattled from getting beaked on the way in. 
Jesus, you uh, you ended up playing the Alberta Junior Hockey League for for a couple of different teams in, in your in your in your year there. Uh, you played with a guy by the name of Devin Setaguchi in the with the Crows in his past. He was only 15 years old. He had a he had a little bit of a tougher time later on. But what do you remember about him uh, back when he was 15 years old uh, playing with guys that uh, could have been well 20 20 year old guys? What, what do you remember about Setaguchi? Oh, he was he was amazingly fast. I remember like rookie camps. Everybody was talking about him. And- moving into Maine and, and all the, all the camps, like that was the excitement when you're last year's a midget, right? Is how many letters do you get? And so I, I'd seen him in a few places, but then, yeah, I saw him at Crozen's Pass and, and we both ended up making it. So again, as, as kind of two younger guys, we spent a little bit of time together and hung out quite a bit um, away from the rink too. So it was kind of neat that, they kind of see a kid like that do so many cool things and and similar to Seabrook, like no, I, I almost like don't feel good to bring in their names up. Cause they'd be like, I have no idea who that guy is. Cause my time there was like three months and, and you think about the paths that those guys took and, and how many different uh, people that they saw and met and had influence on and, and were influenced by. Right. So they, they just had had so much going on, but yeah, he was he was so good, so skilled. His hands were amazing. He was fast and he was like elusive on the ice. And uh, and oh man, I just remember guys protected him in Crow's Nest Pass, like as a fifteen year old kid ripping around in the AJ. Like there was guys that would take novelties, and he didn't with uh, a guy like Pat Bateman on the ice, or um, like even Tyler Stella who's a local guy that like gritty gritty dude that played i think he ended up playing the uofl as well um but he was i think he was from crow's nest pass in the in the front in the first place so he's kind of that mountain tough and and yeah guys stuck up for uh stuck up for seto and it was kind of a cool team but it's uh yeah it ended up not being not being the right fit for me i was away from home and had a lot of those games that you talked about earlier on, the ones that you like to forget the the last goal, but you just seem to not be able to and had some tough luck there with with like playing well, but not not well enough, right? You had a team that was kind of new to the league, so everybody was was kind of established, was coming in and beating us and I don't know. As a young guy I was I wanted to steal games. I was so so bad, but didn't have that ability in the time that i was there and yeah yeah i played an expansion team myself in bonneville there and it's in that uh, six inch, inches between the ears get get gets you most more often than not and you, you what, what i don't know what i can do and you take a lot of it to heart back then like it just like what am i even doing here and you're you're away from home for the first time and it can be it can be a little bit tough a little bit uh a little bit intimidating like you said like you got guys who are 20 years old and you're 16 17 years old and like what the hell am i doing and there's nights that just things don't go so well and it it can be a little bit tough but i guess the guys who do go on to, to bigger and different, not b- bigger and better, but just different things. Uh, they, uh, they, that's one of the things that the little bit of perseverance, right. But, but when you're really good, you don't have that, that those problem between your ears, I guess is the biggest thing. 
right? That's, like if pucks, if pucks are hitting you all the time, you're not allergic, and you're not it's like you're allergic to hockey pucks, and it's it's a little bit easier, obviously, right? Because we we, yeah. we all have those nights. Uh, you get done playing junior hockey, you, you end up with the Fort McLeod Mustangs, as I did. I played in the Ranchland League here in, in Southern Alberta. Uh, who got you to like? Who was the first guy to give you a dingle and say, "Hey, you should come to Fort McLeod and, and play play in the Ranchland League"? Uh, kind of the convoluted web there. That's uh, I was living with a, a guy I was going to university with, had a couple classes with, and he's like, "Let's go to this." It's ice time, Nicholas Sharon. There's there's ice tonight for some senior team. I was like, I don't know, senior, sure, whatever. Um, let's let's hit this up, and I think it ended up being he knew about it from another guy who knew about it from another guy that it ended up being Jason Hooplauser that was putting the ice on. So Hoopy's a Hoopy's another story, but we'll get to him. Oh, he's another story. <laughs> all right, we'll get around that one. But we. Uh, we get into into the rink and, and we sit down in uh, in Nicholas Sharon across from this kid that at the time I guess he would have been eighteen and he's got this like patchy kind of half grown in facial hair in all different places and long hair down to his shoulders and I look at this from my buddy Jesse and I'm like who is that like I don't want to be on the same team as this rag him up. We get out there and playing, and his kids end up. His name is Brendan Bobby. I don't know if, if you uh, remember yeah. meeting him either, but Brendan Bobby ends up being one of my best friends, and and actually probably the reason that I started playing guitar. Um, so yeah, the the moral of that story is never never judge a book by the cover, because <laughs> I I was certain when I walked into the room that 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 guy and I would never jive hard personalities were something different but uh he ended up being a, a really really good friend and yeah like i said probably the reason i got into music and believed that i could do anything with it yeah the old ranch something that's kind of the same as my story i the uh mid mid like around christmas time i got done playing wherever i was playing i can't remember it i was 21 years old and uh Somebody from Fort McLeod was playing in Clarence on this. You should come. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And I went to a practice and then I knew I wasn't playing because I was, I am not going on the ice with these guys like this is, I thought I didn't think I was too good, but it was just one of those, like, what, what, what's the point? But I ended up being up playing for a few years, had a lot of fun playing Clarence on then one year I played in Fort McLeod. Uh, do you have any, uh, cause you played for a number of years, did different uh, time frames playing senior hockey. Do you have any, uh, long lasting memories of stuff that went uh, more so off the ice than, than on the ice. Cause I remember like I was saying off the air there, I had a little situation uh, against the Kainai Braves where we're coming off the ice and some kid, he couldn't have been 12, 12 years old, spit right in my face and said some words. He probably shouldn't even been allowed to say, do you have any memories about going to some of those old barns in the Ranchland league? Too, too many, too many. <laughs> um, I, I could go a couple real quick ones and then I'll give you a, uh, yeah maybe a beauty to end it off but i remember going to to sixica once it was just a random stoppage of play i I made one of the dumbest mistakes in my life you know the the typical goalie move of like push your stick off your pad for the like kick shot yeah yeah so i the puck came down to me and i was trying to like flick it back to the little ref circle at center and I ended up getting way too much of it and flicked it right into the crowd and like damn near started a riot. It was 
it was really really bad and like i i didn't mean it at all and that's the first thing it is like like lifted my helmet skated right to the glass embraced them yelling at me and i was like i'm so sorry and i just kept shouting i'm sorry like it was luckily at the end of the period they had to drop the new puck and like 10 seconds wound off and there was there was a big guy waiting in the hallway on the way to the dressing room and <laughs> same same thing i like just calmly walked over i'm like i, I know i'm an idiot and I, i'm sorry i'm i'm gonna go sit now and he kind of cooler heads prevailed we walked out and finished the game but yeah it was just one of those airhead moments as a 20 23 year old cocky kid that was on a team that was winning it was, it was cool too because like fort mcleod ended up for me being um the only team that i've ever won with like i, I played a lot of hockey and I, I think in Bantam Double A, we made the league finals and got a silver. We lost the Tabor, but other than that, I played for teams that were kind of collectively basements, and we didn't see a lot of success. So it was it was cool to play for McLeod. Um, another one was in uh, in Kainai. We were playing the Chiefs. This was a playoff game, and like place back. Yeah, it yep. it was a Friday night, and oh, even better. Um, you know, like they were, they were an intimidating team, just all of them big. They're all the same size. They were black jerseys and it was just, you go into that, that rink and everybody's on top here, right? They sit on top of the benches and they, they overlook the ice. And like I said, I still have the puck. We won three, nothing. And I, I had a whale of a game. It was, it was amazing. Um, but in the third period, I took a slap shot off the, off the side of the helmet. And it busted the the screws that held my cage on. So my cage like opened up as uh, instead of like a, a goalie mask, it looked like a back catcher's helmet in yeah. baseball. So I'm looking through like with bare eyes at this play still going on, and I and I hear people yelling, "Shoot again! Shoot again!" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking like, "What? Please is don't! Going on? Please don't!" <laughs> Finally, I think I think I got the ref's attention. I'm pretty sure it was Woody or Luterati or somebody that we all knew him by name. So I'm screaming like, "Give, give me your whistle!" And uh, so I go I go to the bench finally and put on Tyler Borthwick's helmet to finish the game. And he he's got a considerably smaller head than me, but I was in a hurry, so I didn't stop to like make the straps bigger or anything. I just let's get this over in. with and call her and get her out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up finishing, but yeah, we hung on and, and won three rip and moved on to, to play. I, I don't know if that was the year I, that it was. I don't think it was, but we had another year that uh, we went undefeated like 36 games back when there was lots of teams like Lomond was there and Siksika and, Hey, you guys guy. had a pretty good run there for a couple of years, yeah. Yeah, for for three or four, we were we were really good, and then Brooks came into the league and, and kind of put a stop to us. It was just it was weird timing. They were fresh, and we were kind of all getting to the point where we're like, okay, well, the hockey was fun, but let's do careers and families, and um, it was just yeah, it was kind of the the passing of the torch, I guess. So it was it was kind of cool. Yeah, that's the biggest but, thing about senior hockey is how it, it, it you play for like it's called senior, but it's more of just like juvenile or ju- a junior 
XXX because you, you do eventually go, okay, I got to go to school. I got a career. I got a job. I can't be because the games aren't until 830 at night. And then sometimes in practice is weeknights. Like I, I can't be doing this. Like it just, yeah. it just ends up being like that. And you, and you only play for a few years. Like some guys play forever. Like there's probably yeah. great. And I think he played for 30 years and then playing senior hockey guys like that. But yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Uh, we'll move on to your, move, uh, your music career. How, how that's going now. You mentioned like, uh, when did you first pick up a guitar and how that all come about? You mentioned it earlier, but let's elaborate on that story a little bit. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty, pretty basic story. I think it was, uh, one that people could probably relate to. I moved away to university after after I finally had to say say goodbye to hockey or not goodbye to it, but just stop chasing the the ladder, anyways. Um, and I, when I was moving, I just found a guitar in my in the closet downstairs in my parents' place, and like had no strings on it, or I, I can't remember the last time it had been played. So I had to kind of restring it. And when I met Brandon Bobby, I was. Uh, intrigued by how good he was at guitar and we always kind of made fun at how big his fingers were and how quickly they moved and <laughs> he was just you know but uh no he was amazing at, at playing and and he taught me a few chords here and there and like i developed this urge to sing out loud for some reason like i always knew that i like singing and sung along to radio and and whatever i could do and Probably would have been great at karaoke if I had the nerve to do it when I was 18, but I didn't. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't until university that I, I kind of got the itch to play around campfires and, and stuff like that. And I, I remember doing a project in a class, in a in an ed class, actually, where I had to give a review of a book or something. But it, you couldn't be on paper. It had to be like a, an artistic review. So I took my guitar and then re we did a, a song to kind of review a, a book that I had read and, and people were kind of like, holy shit, like, why are you hiding this? And that was kind of the, the first eye-opening moment. And then, you know, fast forward a few years, get a career and, and realize that I like doing it again. So I make a little video at school and have a school band and enjoy that too much. So I get a real band or not a real band, but uh, outside of school buddies were kind of more musicians like minds and uh get recording and yeah and in 2017 i put out a, a four track ep just kind of recorded in a in a house across from a civic arena actually which was funny and then fast forward another couple of years i went to peaks and valleys and recorded that at uh, cottonwood studios in coaldale and then I ran into this this producer named Joel Pearson, who who's helped me record the last three songs that I've done, um, starting with The Dark last year around just about this time, like February 4th, I think I released The Dark. And then one of them boys followed that in July and then, uh, yeah, made my day just just recently on February 10th came out. And, and they're both, or not both, sorry, all three of them are kind of more more produced and a little bit more professional and, and taking the time to kind of look for that radio feel so I can kind of start pitching music that way. And, and that's the, that's the spot that I'm at now is like realizing just as in hockey, I had this, this giant ladder to climb. It's this, this big ladder that I have in front of me for music now. And I feel like I'm on about rung one or two. <laughs> the next step is just building a following and, and letting people know that I do this. And, 
it's interesting that we're doing this because it's it's something that I've never really shared with my hockey world. It's a it's a thing that I've always kind of kept bottled up, and I don't know if I've if I've been afraid that people would think different of, of what I did as a hockey player. If they well, it's funny it. you say that because like when people ask me what I do, like blah blah, I, I never ever say like it's just on passing that I, I got this plot. I never say it, and I don't know what it is. I have no idea. I, like there's people obviously like my friends know, but when strangers ask me, I never just bring it up, and that's people yeah. you have to reach out to because your friends are going to listen. Right. Yeah. You, you hope. <laughs> you, you hope. Right. But yeah. then it's it's the rest of the world that you have to try to reach out to, and it's it's odd that you say that you say that that you just for some reason you keep it to yourself. Okay, pe- people will find it organically, and it's not really the way it all works. It's it's, it's funny how that that kind of works out. Yeah. Uh, when you first get going, you get you get on stage, and you go, "Hey, yeah, I'm I'm confident in my stuff." And did you ever go, geez, I sure hope people like this because it is a bit of a, uh, I don't want to say an arrogant attitude, but it's a, a different attitude thinking, I like my stuff and I think the world should hear it. Like, did you ever think, oh, people are going to hear this and might not like it. Did you ever have any negative thoughts like this? This could be a huge mistake. I think uh, if I'm being completely honest, I've, I've never had that far, that far of a thought. Like I've, I've always kind of kept kept an even keel in terms of everybody's got choice and there's there's seven billion of us in the world mm-hmm. and like if one percent of that says yes to my music then that's still a big number and and i think that's what i what i just keep striving to to do and like the realist in me knows that if one percent does then maybe that number grows and keeps growing right and exponential is is something that I have a hard time even wrapping my head around. So that's that's kind of what I push for. And yeah, you're uh, preaching the choir there, Cody. I just think the yeah. exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. And I am a realist, though. Like I, I've had shows where, like this last weekend, we were at the casino and and had a great time. Played three really good sets both nights, Friday and Saturday. And like in in one of the sets on night two, I was like out of tune with my electric guitar. And I was just like, oh boy, I hope people don't leave. And I, I knew it was bad, but you can just see like when you when you give that vulnerable piece to people and you're you're honest and you say, Hey, you know what? Like this was this was pretty bad. Sorry, I'll switch guitars real quick and get you back in tune. Uh they appreciate that. And like people see through the the mistakes. What they don't see through is is disingenuine and and, and they don't appreciate that, right? When when people be a fake, well, I shouldn't generalize. I I don't I don't appreciate that, and I I see that in a lot of, um, kind of the popular artists. Sometimes there's there's a lot of great role models, but there's also a lot of a lot of people that fame does a different thing to that I I never really want if I if I ever make it to the top of the ladder, right? Like you still got to connect with people, and and I say that thing as though I've done it already, but I'm still learning how to do it and, and how to stay consistent with it and understanding that like it's as big of a job as writing a song or recording a song or even teaching at school, right? Like it takes so much time to make a post and to make to edit it eighteen times and and to wonder and like I got kinda of got to the point with my social media that I, I keep it as, as generic as I can. I don't like the filters and I screw up in my songs if I do live songs and I don't comb my hair and I throw on clothes to, to show people who I really am rather than what I can be on a, on an edited version. 
So, yeah. Yeah, you're saying earlier, like you're going up the rung, rung of the ladder and you're at, you're at the second rung right now. What's what's one of the things that's been so, so surprising to you about the music business that you didn't think even existed? It's something you go, I never even thought of that. And then it's just it's just one of the things that it's just a, it's just a known factor that go, goes on with the music world that you didn't know. Uh, how how difficult it is to to actually get your stuff places. And it's all... I mean, people people talk about the the lack of money paid for streams and stuff like that, or how hard it is to make money. But what we don't see is is how much goes in, how much money is spent on doing things. And like to give an example, you know, the the lyrics on on your phone when you when you're listening to Apple Music and you can scroll through and and sync them and see that. Like I have the I have the capability of of uploading those lyrics, but it costs money to do that and it costs money to have the membership for the pro account that lets me sync them rather than the page that just displays the lyrics and it, yeah. there's so much stuff like that that i'm just like oh boy this leaves a bad taste in my mouth and and kind of makes you think like and i appreciate that it's an industry and everybody that's involved has to make some money but it's uh, i understand the grind now when people said there's a grind to it um Another thing is like you get uh, distribution services, right? Like not not so much where you record and send to Apple and Spotify, but places with email lists to radio stations that uh, can charge upwards of like eight hundred bucks for an email list, and then then you got to make you, a media kit and on and on it. Yeah, yeah. It's, and yeah. then essentially like the, you could you send the the email, but then it becomes your job to for the next however many weeks just contact all those places and be like hey how how are you have you listened to my song can you tell me how it's doing or have you played it and so like the middleman in those situations is, is getting a fair chunk of change where yeah we're, you're putting in a lot of work on your own so it, it sometimes you wonder if like am i doing it right to to try it completely independent right whereas you see sometimes maybe it's worth spending the money on a management team to to just pitch for you and and hope to strike gold with a, a big song that actually earns some some real royalties but yeah we're still exploring how to do that and like i don't see i don't mean to sound negative but oh no it's, it's just it's the facts, just hard it's just facts, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just hard work and uh yeah with with that though too like i i actually finally saw and <laughs> that will sound funny but so can which is my like canadian royalty collection uh did a direct pot deposit for 60 bucks last month for the <laughs> for the previous quarter right when, yeah. or sorry for the its quarter and what that is is paying me for uh the darks radio spins last year between uh, what would it be january and april i guess so like I'm I'm seeing things now that are more than it's it's hilarious because my first ever royalty from SoCan they sent it in a Manila Tang envelope and it was this picture frame size document that said I had made eighteen cents. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what the? All that guys, for eighteen? Yeah, cents. you sent that to me. So yeah, to fast forward five years and see a direct deposit for sixty dollars and sixty five cents, I was like, holy cool! This is like that got played a lot to get that many that many dollars so um yeah i'm really excited about finally finally getting a place where i can 
contact a radio station and say, hey, it's me again. And they they kind of know who I am. And I'm establishing that contact with a few of them around Alberta and, and have nothing but good things to say about how how country music is appreciated in Alberta. The, uh, the associations that I start to belong to now, Country Music Alberta and Alberta Music, are really good for promotion and um, providing grants and opportunities to perform and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. yeah, that's the one thing that I found is that it, you, you, when you reach out to people and guests like yourself and other people, everybody's more than more than happy to help you out. It's it's I've never had a, a negative like no go to hell. I'm not talking to you. Blah. Everybody's very here's what you got to do. I'll help you out with this. Everybody seems to be quite helpful with trying for the little guy to get some work. It's not, you know, it's, it's not a lucrative business by any means, but, but you start to make a couple of bucks here and there and you go, okay, well, this, this is kind of why, not why you do it, but it, it's, it's, it's a step it, to, to keep going. Cause if you didn't yeah. get anything out of it, you'd be like, what am I doing this for night in night out? Like it's, it's uh, yeah, it, 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 it can be a bit of a, a tough grind and like, like maybe compared to being a goaltender years ago, kind of, kind of like, Oh man, what am I doing? Kind of deal. But then you you get to some somebody listens or you get X amount of clicks or whatever it be and you you, you feel a, a sense of accomplishment that way and if one, people want to throw you some money even even better yeah you betcha yeah uh yeah you, you t- like your songs the, all the ones I've listened to are great everything's really good uh like is there some songs like when you get done writing a song like you said sometimes they they come pretty quick and you get the ideas down is there is there been a couple of songs like I don't know what you like how you go about doing it but is uh you go, you, you tell your, you get your song done, it's recorded and you play it for your wife and and she goes, you know, that's not very good. I don't know what you're thinking there. Like, do you ever have some of those that just, uh, you think that they're great, but then the wife goes, maybe you might want to hold that one back. There's, there's hardly any that I'll share that, uh, that have that, that flair to it. So if I have even an inkling that someone's not going to like it, it won't even make it to uh, a YouTube video or an Instagram video or a clip or anything. Yeah. It won't even get on on video. Um, it basically basically has to be one that in my garage I think to myself, everyone's gonna love this song for me yeah. to for me to share it. And then that's that's kind of the daunting part is then I share it and and it gets either ninety likes or ten likes and I that's how I realize okay. This one's not going to be one that everyone likes, and maybe we rethink it. And that's kind of the cool process of songwriting, though. Is like, I don't, I, I don't even know the number right now. I've just got notebooks full, right? Like songs upon songs upon songs, and and talking to uh, to one of the guys at at the casino. Somebody stuck around afterwards and came up and introduced and was curious, like how many how many covers and how many originals. And I said, oh, it's it's probably like sixty forty split. He's like, oh, cool, like sixty percent covers, and I was like, no, the other opposite way. He's like, no way. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of songs that I have that uh, haven't even been recorded yet, too. That I'm just waiting for having enough money, having enough streams um, of income to to kind of move on to that that phase of doing like a full album of uh, you know ten, twelve songs, and and kind of being able to pitch that too. I think that would make a huge advance in radios is being able to send something that was more than one big swing, but okay, here's, <laughs> I don't know, baseball reference. Like 
with one single. So made my day is kind of like I'm going up with a big bats hoping to hit it. Yeah. But if I pitch 10 songs that I think are all awesome, that's like three innings of batters. So yeah, hopefully one day I can, I can save up enough and get into the studio and, and, uh, and get 12, 14 songs done or like, who knows, just, just have a huge catalog. And I think that's the other thing is if you catch people's attention with one song, then they do the deep dive and they, they follow. And the cool thing about social media now and, and algorithms and stuff like that, like Spotify, if you're a follower, um, they'll create a, a release radar playlist for you that you don't even really know about until you open your Spotify and next thing you know, made my day is the first thing playing or my next single. Right. So, um, little tricks like that, that I'm starting to learn from watching videos and seeing different things every time I go through this process, but yeah, it's, uh, sometimes wish you had more time in the day. Well, that's just it. You know, like you, you, you get in the, the, the deep dive of what you can do and what you can do and what you can do. You still got to put content out there. And you still got to write songs and, and the rest of it. You can't just uh, be clicking away because before you know it, you can click your whole day away watching this. And now you're not getting anything accomplished, right? It's going to be a pretty tough thing. And so we, you're kind of saying the exact same things that go, go through my head a lot of time when it comes to this stupid thing that I, I, uh, I've gotten myself into. Uh, where do you want where, where do you want this to go like is this a, a career in front of a big stage like who do you like what's the uh in the next uh give me your give me your two five and ten year plan with this yeah um two i think is is to to do exactly what i'm trying to do right now which is is build a a fan base that's that's awesome and supportive and comes to live shows and streams and shares and and helps me grow i think that's that's one of the things that i keep reminding myself is everybody that's big or has has made it somewhere right is there because people around them made them get there like luke combs didn't just do one video and, and say here you go he had a bunch of people that all decided one day holy crap this video is awesome i'm going to repost it and i'm going to share it with him and him and him and her and her and her and and it just kept traveling that way and uh so that's that's a goal for next couple of years is to build that following and, and get people listening and and keep putting songs on the radio. I have another one kind of in the chambers here for this summer. Um, and we're going to actually shoot a music video for it in March 11th in Stavely. So uh, the Stavely Bar is going to be home of, uh, home of a music video. And yeah. uh, I'm really, really pumped about that. So that's two. Five, I I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm a school teacher, so I have a, a retirement savings plan waiting for me if I if I can stick it out there. But I think uh, our family is is kind of established as the five of us and and the three kids in in elementary school right now, but just about to shift. So I don't know if we want to do too much like shuffling for the sake of of kids. But I'm happy to. Uh, to keep just making songs and playing, playing shows and hopefully branching out further and further Calgary and, and into BC and stuff like that has been about as far as I've gone, but I think it'd be neat with, uh, with the career and teaching. I have summers to, to be able to play a lot. So getting more into festivals and things like Calgary stampede, I think would, would really help to get my name out there and playing things like Canada day here. I think they're going to be, on the on the on the bill for Lethbridge Canada Day, so yeah, just trying to do that type of stuff and 
who knows, 10 years, I think, uh, if I had a dream, it would be that I made enough money to, to buy a ranch and, yeah. and do that type of stuff. I have a little studio of my own, not that I need to like record or be my own producer or anything like that, but just have a place where I could have live shows and, and bring other artists to collaborate and do stuff like that. I think that's, uh, that's one of the coolest things about the, the music is the ability to, to entertain and perform and, and have a place like that would be really cool. So, oh, that's right on. Do you, do you still strap on the pads once in a while? I do. Yeah, we play. Uh, it's usually Sundays. We actually had a a veto last night. We were supposed to play at four fifteen, and I think there were six guys lined up to to show up to the NMAX. So, we ended up calling it and not going last night. But yeah, we uh, we skate every once in a while. I ended up during the first year of COVID, bought some brand new gear. For whatever reason, I found a steal of a deal on Facebook, so <laughs> I kind of I kind of forced myself into a couple more years of playing just to pay off that investment, I guess. But it's not that big. It was, uh, like I said, a steal of a deal. Yeah, the uh, you, you get the bugging; it never really goes away. It's uh, it's, it's a funny thing playing goal. It's it's ridiculous. I'm like, like I said, I don't know if it's child abuse when you're a kid, but it, it, you look back and it, it's it's not that bad. There there's some tough nights, obviously, but like you look back and you you smile a lot more and you frown about the whole situation. Uh, we'll do some cheap shots and get you out of here. How's that sound? You betcha, man. I think I uh, might might lose my phone battery. Anyways, okay, we'll minutes. get we'll get you done here real quick. Uh, number one but, is a hot dog a sandwich? No, it's a hot dog. Okay, that's a different one. Uh, funniest teammate you ever had? Derek Atkinson. He is funny. <laughs> now, I've met him a couple, on a couple of okay, He's a funny guy. There's no getting around that. Uh, favorite song of yours from 15 years ago? 15 years ago? What year was that? <laughs> uh, it'd be 2008. 2008. God, I don't know. It probably would have been like Live or Smashing Pumpkins at that point. 2008. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Give me, give me one from when I, when I can remember. Most famous person you ever met? Most famous person I've ever met. Well, uh, Russ and Jeff Cortnell rode horses on our ranch when we were little. So we met them. Oh, really? and out at the, yeah, we went to the Saddle Dome for their practice. And Trevor Linden, Kay Whitmore, Kirk McLean. Oh, that was awesome. I like Kirk McLean as a goalie. Man, he was good. Oh, he, he was, was amazing. So, he went yeah. the way just his style. He was smooth and solid. Like he was just a, a, a really great player. Uh, worst goal you ever gave up. Worst goal I ever gave up. Uh, slap shot from outside the blue line. Where was it? Probably, probably closer to center. I think it went five hole. <laughs> those, those ones stick a little bit. There's no getting around that. Cody, uh, where can everybody find, find find your song? What's uh, what? Where can they find all your work and everything else? What's going on? Yeah, uh, you know what? Follow everything at at Cody Hall Music uh, socials like Instagram and TikTok and Facebook like that. Um, in terms of listening, Apple, Spotify, call out to Alexa or Siri and they'll play it. Um, my distribution services sent it. I think the list is 147 companies worldwide but yeah apple and spotify are on the top of that list and if you're doing either like i said the uh, the spotify follow is a is a huge perk not only to the listener because then they don't have to look for my stuff but also for me it just helps to boost the 
the analytics and makes and the list of the goals and goals and goals how it all works. It's, yeah. it's 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 crazy how it all how it all works. They make our decisions for us nowadays. We don't have to think anymore. It's 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 funny how it goes. No, Cody, yeah. this is a lot of fun. Like I said, that uh, your song made my days on heavy rotation around here. We quite like it here, at 1420 World Headquarters. And we're, we'll push it out there as much as we can and get you get you all across. We've got a pretty good following down south too, so that'll help you out a little bit. Uh, no, thanks so much for doing this. We'll have to. to uh, meet up for a, a, a beverage someday and uh, and maybe include Hoopy uh, uh, in the conversation oh, yeah. for, for him getting us getting us together a week and a half ago, whatever it was. But thanks so much for doing this, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Brent. No problem, man.